Are you thankful for the Lord today? God is good? And all the time? Do you believe that? Amen. Wow, my table looks like it's about to fall apart here. Leaning. How many of you feel like this table right now? A little wobbly this morning, all right? Hey, uh, my name is John. For those of you who don't know, I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And, uh, and uh, maybe you're new here, but man, I love this place. I love this church. This church has been a, uh, a part of my, my life for a long time. And so uh, this morning, we are, we are kind of in a standalone message. And I want to say thank you to Carlos, our youth pastor, uh, who preached for us last week and did an amazing job. Uh, just talking about the faithfulness of God. You got one fan in here, Carlos, that's giving you a hand, all right? And uh, so I appreciate, I appreciate Carlos. And, uh, you know, we are almost halfway through the year. Do you realize that? Does that, like, blow your mind? We're on day 174. It means we have, a, what, 191 days in the year left. Which means, for those of you who care, it's 184 days until Christmas. Okay? So, all you planners, get out and start shopping online, right? And, uh, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, every month we meet with our deacons and trustees, and uh, we go over all the financial reports and just talk about some things about the church. And I asked this question in, in this meeting which is kind of what led me the last few weeks to think about uh, what we're going to talk about today, this marks of a disciple. And I asked the question, how many, and I asked the question of them, how many do you think, what is the percentage of our church that reads their Bible every day? What percentage of our church do you think reads the Bible every day? And I'll be surprised, they, they, they had less faith in you than I do, okay? No, the truth is they... The percentage they gave was, was, was lower than I expected them to give. And so I, uh, being the great you know, investigator I am, decided that the next day on Wednesday night, I would ask the Wednesday night crowd at Bible study the same exact question. What percentage of our church do you think reads the Bible every day? And uh, I was hoping that they had a higher percentage than, than the board thought, but they gave about the same percentage. And the reason made me kind of worry or think about was uh, Pastor Matt and I were talking about it before we asked the deacons what, what they thought the percentage was. Our thought was that whatever percentage that we got back from those we asked would probably be a somewhat of a reflection of who's in the room. Like probably if, if, I, uh, if I read the Bible five times out of, you know, five days out of seven days, when I'm asked the question, then maybe I'm just going to assume, oh, maybe five out of every seven days people read their Bible. Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? And so that was really alarming to me to think that, that our leadership and Wednesday night crowd, whatever you think of Wednesday night crowd, typically you think that they're pretty committed people, gave such a low number. And you know what the national average, according to LifeWay Research is? The national average LifeWay Research gives is 20%. Only 20% of people who actively attend church read their Bible every day. Only 20%. Now, here's another statistic that uh, I was listening to, really a, a completely different topic, but I think it maybe uh, would highlight that percentage. 
that do you realize that uh, what they would classify as nominal Christians, that nominal Christians are 20% more likely to get a divorce than people who don't go to church at all? Nominal Christians are 20% more likely to get a divorce than those who don't go to church or have faith. The reverse of that is also true that if, if you are active in church, and what Robert Wagner would classify as active is that you go, you know, you attend or you're a part of church activity at least three times a week, that you're 30% less likely to get a divorce. 30% less likely to get a divorce. So I think about this, uh, you know, this door behind me. And, and, and these statistics are very alarming. For me as a pastor, it's alarming. It's, it's somewhat embarrassing in some levels. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. I mean, you feel all those in that if the average church member, only 20% of this room is intentional about reading your Bible every day, then no wonder churches, and I'm not, you know, it's not specific to this church, churches in general in America, it's no wonder that, that we're quote-unquote losing the battle. Because how do we expect to be growing in our faith if we're not even active in reading and communicating with God? Now, as we come to the halfway, how many of you set goals this year? Okay, and, and so if, here's what I understand about goals. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't set goals a lot because I don't keep goals a lot. Uh, but I, I, uh, this year, our staff, we, uh, at, the, uh, at last year, we kind of all set some goals. We set some personal goals, some family goals, some spiritual goals, and some ministry goals that we would like to see happen in 2019. And this year, I'm really excited to talk about the goals because so far, I've done, done pretty good on my goals. Um, and, but when I think about where I've been and where I'm going, this is the question I want you to ask yourself this morning. This is what I want you to think about. This is the question I'm going to ask, you're going to answer, is are you growing spiritually? Currently, right now, are you growing spiritually? So it made me think about this. Uh, I was talking actually to Pastor Dave about this, and we kind of uh, got this idea together about these uh, spiritual markers, you know, growth chart. How many of you had a, a door like this, probably not on the door, probably on the door jam, where you measured your kid's height when they were going up? Or how many of you, you remember, you got your height measured? Back, some of you in the black and white days, it looks like. Uh, but these are, so... When, when uh, our kids were littler and we lived in Burleson before we moved to Kansas, we, uh, we, we did this. And we had a door jam right there going into our bedroom where we would measure the kids about every year. And uh, I had these great intentions when we moved that we would, I asked my wife to write them down. And so Joy wrote them down on a piece of paper. And we were going to transfer all of that, you know, from that door jam to another door in Kansas. That never happened, okay? So there's a huge gap. But the, this last week I said, uh, me and Dave were talking about this. We got this idea, and I said, oh, Joy, I promise Joy has that paper somewhere. 
and, and she's eavesdropping on our conversation because as soon as I walk toward her desk, it's in their baby book. And I'm like, oh, great. So you can see here, this is Blair, our daughter, when she was seven years old, four foot one inch. The next year, eight years old, four foot five and a half inches. Yes, she's growing. Praise Jesus, right? Nine years, four seven. Ten years, four ten. Uh, and then this top one is there's a nine-year gap between here because we, we failed as parents, okay? And uh, so she got to be a whole five foot three. I, I told her I was doing this yesterday, and she said, did you put me down for five four? I'm like, no, five three. It's funny because when I tell people how tall I am, you know, people ask, and I'm like, I, like 5'11". And people who are shorter than me, oh, no, you got to be six foot because I'm five foot ten, and I'm like, no, you're not. Uh, that specifically was the conversation with my father-in-law. But anyways, uh, this, is, this blue obviously is Blake at nine years old, ten years old, eleven years old, twelve years old. It looks like between eleven and twelve with his best year of growth. And then all the way up here to like to twenty-one years old, six foot tall. And and I think, though, what, what would it be like this morning if everyone marched up here and God charted out your spiritual growth? What would it look like? You, you like my kids, may have something stunted your growth, right? And I wonder, the question again is this. Are you growing spiritually? Turn to Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. And I think that, that frustration, uh, if that's the right word, I'm not sure, but that frustration I have with thinking, man, if only 20% of our church and is actively reading their Bible, then, then it stands to reason that 80% of the church is not growing spiritually. And if 80% of the church is not growing spiritually, we have a problem. If 80% of the church is not growing spiritually, then, then we're, we're going we're gonna to have less impact than what God wants us to have. And I think the author of Hebrews is, is struggling with the same thing that I'm struggling with. When he, when he looks across the landscape of, of what we would claim or, or call Christianity, followers of Christ, and he would see that 80% are not actively pursuing a relationship with Christ every single day by getting into his word, I think this is the frustration we get in this text. All right, so Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. An introduction into this is the author is about to go on this, wants to go into this theological, deep theological conversation about Jesus and the priesthood of Christ. And he feels the tension that though he wants to have this deep theological conversation, that maybe his listeners are not ready for it. And, and that's where we pick up in verse 11. Of whom we have much to say, speaking of Jesus and hard to explain, again, you see this tension, he's thinking, it's, it's hard for me to get into this deep theological conversation with you. Why? Because you have become dull of hearing. Okay, and later in, in, in chapter 6 and verse number 12, this same Greek word that we, we hear, dull of hearing, is also used as the word sluggish, or slothful, or lazy. Okay, so what is he saying? I'd like to have this deep theological conversation with you about how great Christ is, but you have become lazy in your faith. 
you have become sluggish, you have become slothful, you, would that, then I think we would understand 80% of you don't read. That's what the author is saying. All right, so verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so do you, do you sense the tension here? Do you sense the frustration of the author? The author is saying, listen, I want to teach you some deep theological truths about who Christ is, and, and yet I don't think you're ready for it because you're not, you've become dull of hearing. You have become lazy in your faith. You are not feeding yourself. And here's the truth. If the only time that you hear God's word, only time you open up your Bible and really think through things is when when you're here in this audience, can I be really honest with you this morning? Shake your head if you want me to be honest. Then you're not growing spiritually. Now I'm going to answer the question for you. Are you growing spiritually? If this is the only time you're actively hearing the Word of God and you're opening up your Bible, then the, here's just the, the bold truth, the, the honesty is you are not growing spiritually. It's impossible. And that's the frustration that the author here, as you write, is saying, listen, you have the tools necessary. You realize in the culture that we live in today, the Bible has never been more available to you. It's, let me say that again. If 80% of us in general don't read the Bible and yet in, there has never been a time in history where the Bible has been more available than it is right now. How many of you have your Bible on your phone? Isn't that amazing? How many of you have multiple, multiple Bibles on your phone? Whether you do or not, you, whether you know it or not, you do, okay? You have access to it. That was one of my goals for this year was that I wanted to listen through the Bible twice this year. Last year I listened through it once. This year I'm, I'm trying to listen through it twice. Just as I work out, I have my headphones on and I'm listening to the Bible. Think about how amazing that is that we have the technology to do that. And yet as readily available as the Bible is to us in our culture the words that the author would use is we've become dull of hearing. So if we're going to properly evaluate our spiritual growth, are we growing? I, I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but if you have your bullets in this morning, and we're just going to march through these fairly quickly this morning, the marks of a growing Christian, the marks of a disciple and, and so there's some, this is a great opportunity. We're halfway through the year. Let's have some self-evaluation. And, and, and here's a great thing about self-evaluation. It's kind of hard to admit when you're not doing well. Like when we went around the room uh, last week or I think maybe two weeks ago in, in staff meeting and, and we have, uh, you know, everyone's goals are on our computers and on our phones and we can pull up what so-and-so's personal goals were. They were hoping to lose X amount of weight, you know, and we got to go around the room and say, this is how I'm doing. Is that ever any fun, really? Not unless you're doing good. 
It's, it's just usually not much fun. But the good part about, you know, let's have this, this tension this morning of looking back and evaluating, am I growing spiritually? But here's the great thing. Like from today, start something new. Do, do better. That's the grace of God, right? That God's always going to forgive and God's always going to give a second and a third and a fourth and however many chances stubborn people like me need. The first one is missional. Evaluate your life. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power. This is Jesus talking. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I love what Robbie Gowdy says about this statement. Again, this is when, when Christ was ascending his last words, and this is what Robbie Gowdy says about this. May Jesus' last words be your first work. May Jesus' last words be your first work. Missional. God has sent every one of us as believers at the moment of our salvation. We've been gifted the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of the ministry. Not us as in staff, it's us as in believers. If you've given your life to Christ, you have just as much of the Holy Spirit as I do. You're just as much empowered by the Holy Spirit as I am. And the question for you is, are you on mission? And, and I'm kind of being hard maybe on you this morning, so let me have a moment of confession. This one is difficult for me. Because of, you know, my, my responsibilities, I'm always around people who are believers. And, and, and the truth is a lot of my conversations are helping believers in their, their Christian walk to help them try to grow spiritually. And I'm a, I'm a really bad neighbor. Anyone else would, would identify yourself as a bad neighbor? Okay, like I'm not... I'm not Wilson across the fence having conversations and giving wisdom. I'm, when I go home, because it seems like, and, and this is all excuse, okay? I know that, but I'm still giving it. Uh, I'm explaining. When I go home, because my, my whole life seems to be like in, lived in front of everyone, that when I go home, it's like, you know, I have this castle. I wish there was a moat in front, and like I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone other than, my family. And that's not good, okay? That's not good. And so every week in our staff meeting, we ask three questions. And here they are. Who'd you invite to church this week? Were you able to share the gospel with someone this week? And what is God teaching you this week? And the truth is, sometimes it's really convicting when we go around and the table's silent. But then sometimes it's convicting when we go around the table and you hear stories of our staff who, you know, like, like Ben, he intentionally grills out in the front just so he can meet his neighbors. And I'm like, I want to grill my back so I don't have to meet my neighbors, you know. And, and of course, Carlos and Stefan, their girls go out. And Kaylin, she's inviting people to Bible school. She's never even been to Bible school. She doesn't know what it is, but she's inviting them. And, and we go around and I thought it's just really convicting to me that, that I'm not intentional, I'm not missional with my own neighbors. And so two weeks ago, uh, we were on uh, vacation or what, you know, some is called staycation. And uh, we, we staycationed on our back porch uh, two weeks ago on Sunday. And we just had this iPad out and we were watching, you know, our service here. And as soon as the service is over, 
Uh, I do what I normally don't do at, you know, 1230 on a Sunday afternoon. I went and mowed my lawn. And guess who was out there trimming their bushes? My neighbor. And you know what my first thought was? You're right. That was what it was. I had my headphones on, listening to my Jesus music, you know, mowing. I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want to talk. I'm on vacation after all. And he's just standing there. I mean, we're like this far from each other on this, the side yard. I'm like, I'm going to run over his foot. I'm gonna, we're going to talk. <laughs> so I finally take my headphones off, turn the mower off, and have a great conversation. And, I, and I've convinced myself that his schedule is way different than me. That's why I never see him. And then I was like, wow, no, it's not. I'm just bad neighbor. <laughs> But I got to introduce him, talk to him about our hike. He's super interested about our hike. And so just an op- opportunity for further conversation. And now I actually know his name, you know, and I, I want to pat myself on the back, but it's been three years. It's not good. <laughs> and uh, are, you, are, you, are you missional? Because statistics say that 95% of Christians will never, never bring someone to Christ. 95% of Christians will never bring someone to Christ. 80% of Christians never even talk about the gospel with people. 70 per, well, 71% of Christians don't even give so others can go on mission. So, marks of a disciple, missional, number two. And, and these aren't really in an order. They're just in order to spell out marks, okay? Accountable. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Accountability. Chuck Swindoll puts accountability or describes it this way. Accountability is opening one's life to a few carefully selected, trusted, loyal confidence who speak, listen, here's a key part of accountability, in, in, especially in Chuck Swindoll's definition, who speak the truth, who have the right to examine, to question, to approve, and to give counsel. Here's the reality. Most of us, our accountability partners are chosen because they agree with everything we do. Right? When you're asking for advice, you ask enough people to find the person that agrees with what you want to do. We all do it. And what every one of us need in our life is someone who is is going to speak the truth in love, that this is not lining up with Scripture. Because the lie of Satan is, well, God surely wants to make you happy. So if this marriage is making you unhappy, and if God wants you to be happy, well, what's the obvious reason? The reasoning is, well, if God wants me happy, I'm not happy in that, then I'm going to go to this. Or you know what, we, we're not, we just don't want to make a, a commitment to get married, but we have, you know, we have different circumstances, and, and, and this makes me happy, therefore... And if you ask enough people, even Christian people who are in a church, you realize you're going to find people that will agree with you. But that's not at all what we see in Scripture. And if you are going to be a growing Christian, you need people in your life that are willing to speak the truth and to speak the truth in love. No, what you're doing is wrong. And, and here's, here's a great test what does the Bible say? 
Well, the problem is 80% of us aren't reading it, so we don't know. That's what the author is saying. Is like, listen, in verse 14, he said, you should know what is right and wrong, but because you're not, you're dull of hearing, you're a lazy follower of Christ, you don't even know what's right and wrong. Do, do we see that in our culture? You guys are scared to answer. Do we see that in our culture? Yes. Do we see that in church culture? Are we in the church culture just as guilty as them outside? I would say probably more guilty, but I'll agree with you. Yes. That accountable. You need someone, I need someone to hold us accountable. Let's, let's keep moving. The R is reproducible. I love this verse as Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, you therefore my son. And, and it, this was not his biological son. This was his son in the ministry. This was son in the faith. This was a mentor writing to a mentee. A discipler writing to a disciple Lee, all right? And he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to others, to other men, to other believers who will be able to what? Teach others also. To can, can I really, so, you know, if you, if you are bombarded, you know, with, with emails that I send you every morning, every morning I try to send you an email uh, with a link to the devotion that I've done for that day. And at the bottom of every email, you're going to see that disciples make disciples. So here's a thought. If, if I am not making disciples... can I really call myself a disciple? If I am not making disciples, if I'm not reproducing, so every email that I send is going to say, disciples making disciples, reach, relate, and the third word is replicate. If I'm not replicating what God has taught me in others, so every one of us, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and every one of us, we need a Paul in our life. Every one of us needs someone that has maybe a little farther ahead, maybe a little higher up on this door jam with Christ than we are that can teach us and, and can show us and teach us what they have learned. But we also, also we, every one of us need a Barnabas. What was Barnabas known for? He was an encourager. We need that accountability partner that's going to say, hey, you're doing great, or hey, you need to be careful with that relationship. We all need a Paul, we all need a Barnabas, and, and we all need a Timothy. Someone that's maybe a little lower down here. You know, when you think about uh, your, your kids growing up, the, the, the second one always has it easier than the first one. You realize that? Because if they're smart, I'll put it that way. You're like, that didn't work out well for them. Like my brother, he had it way easier than I did. Or maybe he was just smarter than me. Like, when I would do things, I mean, I'm, I don't know, what, never mind, I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> he would observe and like, wow, that, that was stupid. I'm not doing that. But, but we all need someone that we're investing in. So here's just three questions along this thought this morning. Who's investing in you? Who's keeping you accountable? And who are you investing in? 
If you're not reproducing what God has taught you in someone else, then I would probably say you're not growing. And I think a lot of the times the reasons we choose not to, to disciple someone is because we're not growing. So reproducible. All right, let's move on uh, to the next one. The C is communal. I need community. You know, Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. And that's what, again, later in Hebrews, what the author would say in verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more you see the day approaching. The importance here of being at church, the importance of coming to church. And in our culture, and and I I hate to just keep bashing on the culture, because guess what? It's not the culture's fault, it's the church's fault. Instead of of the church influencing culture, we've allowed culture to influence church. And that's because, it it just seems obvious why, because 80% of us aren't reading the Bible. How can we influence people if we're not being influenced by God? But you know, there's, there's people in our service here this morning that appreciate this gathering together way more than most people in here. We have a family in here this morning that, that uh, serve in, you know, a country where they can't meet. Wow, you realize how important it is to come together when you can't. You know? And how shameful it is for us. The same is true. The Bible has never been more available, and yet we don't read it. And the opportunities for you to gather, it's never been easier. It's never been more comfortable. I I love what this scripture is saying, that you showing up. Look at verse 25 here. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. You, You know what that says to me? That you showing up is an encouragement to someone. Amen. Just being here. If that's true, you not showing up does what? So when Paul talks about the body of Christ, that I need you and you need me, don't underscore the importance of just being here for another brother what that plays in their life. You need community. You know, I've been talking a lot about it last week, and in fact, several of you this morning, I almost, I I really wanted to punch in your face this morning, just to be honest with you. You guys judging me eyes right now. How many of you watched my Facebook video yesterday, last night? Okay, so last night I was uh, at the Burleson Stadium, and I I had my like 40-pound pack on, and I'm walking up the bleachers just trying to get, you know, prepared for my hike. And man, several of you like, man, you were breathing heavy walking up them stairs. (laughs) Yeah, I got something for you. (laughs) But I'm preparing, you know, for this hike that Manna is doing to to raise uh, money for kids. And... uh, and it made me think about, I, I've never, how many of you have ever been uh, to the Sequoia National Forest? How many of you have been there? Okay, and so we're basically hiking through that area and thinking about how big those trees are. Like they grow to be like, what is it, like 250 feet? 
Like some of them they say are over a thousand years old. And I know you've probably heard this, but, but look at how big they are. There's a, a picture here of it. Look, look how big those trees are. And you know how deep the root system of those trees are? Four feet deep, that's it. Shallow. But you know what you're never going to see? A tree like that by itself. Because their strength comes from connecting their roots together. So they're always in rows or in groves. The reason they can grow and be 1,000 years old and 250 feet high is because they're connected. The reason potentially that you are not growing in your faith is because you're not connected to other believers. And that's why we always are going to try to encourage you to get into a connect group. Hence the name connect group. Right? And we can have all this tension about why isn't it called Sunday school? Because we want you to connect. And you know what I call it 90% of the time when I'm talking to someone? Sunday school. <laughs> right? Habits die hard, don't they? But the point is if you are not connecting with other believers, you're not growing in your faith. At least you're not growing to the potential that you have. God wants you to connect with other believers. All right, so let's go to the next one. Probably the, mo the most important. This is kind of the foundation here. The S is scriptural. 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 15 and that from, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. But let's pause there for a moment because he mentions, uh, again, Paul mentions something pretty important here. The Scriptures are wise to lead you to what? It, the, the Bible, the, this God's Word to us leads us to salvation. It's how we know salvation. It's by the grace of God. And that's, that's what Paul would write in Ephesians, right? For by grace... You're saved through what? Faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, so here's what Paul is writing in Timothy. The scriptures, the Bible, leads you to salvation. And we talk about spiritual growth this morning. I don't want to assume this morning that everyone even knows what that is. Because spiritual growth can't take place until you've been spiritually born. And that's what Paul is saying is that the scriptures lead us to salvation or to spiritual birth. So let me just take a moment this morning to explain what salvation is or how you can receive salvation. Because he says the scripture leads to salvation. Paul, again, as we just read, for by grace you are saved through faith. In other words, salvation is a gift of God because of his graciousness. And the way I receive his gift of salvation is I place my faith in Jesus. Amen. Paul would write in Romans that if we confess with our mouth, what are we confessing? We're confessing that Jesus is Lord. If we'll believe in our hearts, we can have salvation. For with confession and belief. So the question for maybe some of us this morning is, have you ever confessed your faith in Jesus? Because you're never, you know, you're never going to get on the door jam until you've been born again. Until you've given your life to Christ. 
And, and if you've never done that, at the close of the service, we're going to have a time of, of worship. We're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to be standing right down here. There's going to be others standing right there. They're going to be facing you. And if you would like to know what it means to give your life to Christ, to, to be born again, to start this spiritual journey, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When we stand at a moment that you would just come forward, shake my hand or shake someone else's hand and say, I want Jesus. We would be... We would be so encouraged and excited to take you, open the Bible, and explain this gift of salvation. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. Again, we're, we're talking about marks of a disciple, and we're talking about Scripture. So 80% of Christians... Don't daily read the Bible. Let's look at the benefits of reading God's word from the psalmist in Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But, there's a contrast here, right? Going back to verse 14 of chapter 5 of Hebrews, remember what he said, you don't know between good and evil because you're not in the word. The same thing he's saying here. Blessed is, is, are those who stay away from evil. And if you stay away from evil, how do, how do I stay away from evil? What's the contrast here? Look at verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What's the law of the Lord referencing? I'm giving you a big old hint, right? It's the Bible. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates day and night. Do you want to be blessed by God? Amen. You know how to do that? I'm giving you another clue. Blessed is he who delights in God's word. It goes on and continues. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not uh, wither. And whatever he does shall what? Prosper. Do you want to prosper? Do you want to be blessed? Well, what does the psalmist say? Get in the Word. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like a chaff which the wind drives away. You know, we're intentional about a lot of things, aren't we? We had this discussion earlier this week. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to yell out the answer if you think you know what it is, okay? How many days does it take to create a habit? Uh, no. I don't know. Like I could hear all that. I heard seven, 45, two million. No, I didn't hear that. Uh, so it used to say 21 days. Who said 21? You were right years ago. All right. I mean, I read so much on this, I don't, there's no real answer. It's anywhere from 21 to some say 66. There's so many variables in that. But it's, it's funny. We, we are all creatures of habit, aren't we? And, and we tend to think, and we, we tend to say, oh, it's, you know, old people don't like change. Nobody likes change. 
We're all creatures of habit. You guys drive the same way to church every Sunday. You get stuck by the same train every Sunday. You know, you, you drive, you order the same Starbucks drink every morning. The, the, the person at 7-Eleven knows your name and they know your drink, right? Like we used to go to, let me rephrase that. My wife used to, no, we used to go to Sonic all the time, like every day. Like our kids know when I do this, you know, you know what that means? That Joy needs a Sonic drink, okay? Like she's addicted to Sonic drinks. Okay, she used to be. So badly so that, that when I was in Kenya several years back, like 10 years ago, I was in Kenya for two weeks, and about one week into my trip in Kenya, the lady, the car hop, tells Joy, uh, I don't remember, is it a guy or a girl? Huh? A girl says, oh, did, did you and your husband get a divorce? <laughs> like... That's how committed we were. When we used to live over here and we went to Rose's like way too often. I walked in one time and the guy that was at the register said, oh, you got a haircut. Like, <laughs> we're creatures of habit. So it's not that you can't have a habit. It's that you're choosing not to have a habit. If 80% of us like some of you are going to, you're going to tonight, you're going to plan out the rest of your week and you're going to get your work stuff ready and you're ready to go Monday morning. Why is, why is reading God's word not more important to us? Why is getting up five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes earlier not important to us? So we've done some evaluation Maybe you're not growing spiritually, so I'm going to give you some encouragement this morning. You can start a new habit tomorrow. Can I get an amen? amen. Like, you can start new tomorrow. God, God's going to forgive you. God's not angry with you. God's faithful. God is good. And God is going to give you another chance. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. On your way out this morning, there's these papers. There's some on that side of the banister, that side, and on that back table as you go out. And you know what? They've been back there for a long time. And you haven't taken them. What about starting a new habit tomorrow? They're going to get up 10 minutes earlier. And you're going to read usually two chapters a day is all it is. Is, is God worth your time? God is good? Even 10 minutes earlier than you get up. What would your life, what would our church life be like if 80% of us every day had a habit of reading our Bible? Would it have an impact? Absolutely. It would. You know, this week, I, I want to ask you to pray for our youth. And I'm going to ask, you know, uh, Carlos and Stefan and all leaders and, and all our youth that are going to camp, I want to encourage you, uh, to, would you just come forward right now? As the band comes forward and begin to, to have our time of invitation, I'm going to ask if parents, if you want to come grab your kid and just come pray with them as they leave for camp tomorrow. Camp is one of the greatest weeks of spiritual formation in, in a kid's life. And, and so parents, come find your kid. Kid, go find your parents. Just meet down here. We're not going to gather all together necessarily. You can come kneel at the altar. You can pray. But I just want to pray over you this morning.
before we start our time of, of worship. And I want to challenge all of us. These, these students are going to uh, somewhat unplug from their phones for a week. They're going to connect with other believers. They're going to connect with the Lord. And how many of you that are still out in the audience would make a commitment this morning to say, I'm going to pray for these students and these parents and these leaders this week. Would you raise your hand? Would you stand with me as we pray over them? And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask parents, if you want to stay and hang out, grab your kid and go to the altar, kneel, or one of the front pews, feel free to do that and have your own time of prayer. I want to say thank you to all you leaders who've taken off time of vacation to go and, and hang out with these kids. Thank you. God, we, we come before you. We're honored that we can sit in a place like this and read your word. Sing praises. Oh, praise the name. Think about these students as they go to camp this week. Lord, I know that I made some life-changing decisions at camp. And I pray that that these students would be open to hear from you. Lord, that they would go with an open heart. God, whatever you want from me this week, I'm, I'm listening, I'm going to hear, and I'm going to obey. And I pray for these parents this week as they pray over their children. Lord, that you would bless them, that you would give them the strength to be the parents that lead their kids to follow Christ. Be with these leaders, Lord, as have made sacrifices to go this week. Give them strength as they have late nights and early mornings. And thank you for their ministry to these students. And I pray you would bless their homes and their families and their jobs as they've made sacrifices. Lord, may this week for these students, may they start new habits. May they be intentional about getting up and spending some time with you. May all of us do that this week. Lord, we thank you. And it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. As we worship this morning, as some are still praying, if you want to come this morning and find Jesus, we'll be standing here. I'll be right here. Well, let's worship together this morning.